Welcome back, everybody. Uh, I have the distinct pleasure of uh, welcoming an actress, a producer, a writer, somebody whose uh, very interesting movie, which we'll talk about in a minute, is on Amazon Prime. So I suggest for everybody to check it out. We're going to have it right below this video. Please welcome to the program, Nicole uh, Cannon. How are you, Nicole? I'm good. Thank you, Alan. Thanks for having me on. Oh, it's it's a sincere pleasure. Um, Transference is the name of the film that's uh, that's on Amazon Prime. Uh, again, please, everybody, we're going to uh, link it right below the video. Please take a look. Uh, I certainly will uh, after this interview, even though it's not exactly my genre, but I, I like the idea behind it, which is something that I wanted to discuss. So in terms of the film, um, uh, Nicole, what was your idea behind that? I know you're a writer, you're a producer. How did that project come about and why is it important to you? So a couple of things went into the process. Um, I had written a few other screenplays prior to Transference, all which were very large budget films. And I was having a little bit of a hard time um, getting anyone to read my work, much less make it into a movie. So my goal in writing Transference was to write something that I could shoot on a budget and produce it myself. And so when I thought about all of the different ideas that I had kind of mulling around in my head, I knew that I wanted to tell this um, story specifically um, part of it was also because I was taking this uh, class at University of Santa Monica, spiritual psychology class, which has mm. a lot of stuff about um, integrating some and doing shadow work and just healing some of traumas from the past. Um, so I knew that it would fit right in with that class. It was our second year project. It was a sacred yes project. And I was like, yeah, I just want my voice to be out there as an artist. You know, as, a, as an actor, I never really felt like I got to say what I wanted to say as an artist. I'm always moved by the cathartic, you know, story, you know, the one that just actually hits you in that way where you're like, you learn something and you take something home home from that. And um, so I wasn't getting those opportunities as an actor. And I, I was like, well, what are you going to do about it? Like, why don't you start writing? Um, I had seen a public service announcement in 2005, which was... Um, uh, hit me in a very deep way. It was a, a little girl pushing a dead girl on a swing. She was pulling a dead girl around in a wagon. Um, she was on a seesaw with a dead girl. And it said, uh, survivors of sexual abuse have to carry a dead part of themselves around with them for the rest of their lives. And I related to that. Um, you know, as a sexual abuse survivor as well, I went through a lot of um, work to heal that trauma. And I wanted to share that experience in a cinematic way that kind of maybe could help other people who have suffered um, abuse, maybe help them in their journey. Yeah, well, thank you for sharing. Uh, I appreciate that. And uh, thanks for creating something that hopefully will be a, a mechanism for healing for others. Um, are you comfortable telling us uh, you know, more about uh, what happened uh, to you and how you said that, uh, that it took you a while to uh, to actually go through that process. Um, yeah, I can I can share. I'm going to not give gory details. I don't think we need that. But you know, from about two to four, um, there was an older cousin. We actually called him uncle. And then there was also a male babysitter um, who you know I had sexual abuse. Um, and uh, I think that because it was at such an early formative age, I sort of had some sort of identification of um, that being like what I was for in relationship to men. So I actually saw how that patterning followed me throughout my choices in my um, partnerships and um, other relationships and even just with my own kind of self-esteem and how I saw myself. 
um, you know, it happened as early as two, and there are were other instances throughout my life growing into a woman where there was, um, you know, uh, I don't know, sexual assault, you know, from men, various men, and I kind of got sick of either attracting this. I don't know whether I was necessarily blaming myself, but I noticed the pattern of it, and I was like, I don't want this to be who I am and and how I'm identified. I. I went to a, a spiritual retreat in India and I started doing some really deep introspective work and it emerged about the sexual assault and I saw how it was actually followed me throughout my life. And I knew that this is something that I wanted to get out from underneath. Um, like one of the goals there was forgiveness, which I was not able to come to at the time. It was just too fresh for me. I was still too raw and too hurt. And so after about 10 years of like therapy and, you know, different kind of self-help groups and Hoffman process was a huge, you know, element to my healing that helped me kind of understand, um, you know, the circumstances which brought me into the, 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 um, the situation of abuse so that I could kind of see it more from a uh, outside perspective and finally heal and forgive. So, yeah. And do you find that, uh, again, going through that process and, you know, the many different iterations that it took that you're at a place now where you feel whole, where you're not um, hurt or where your relationships have, uh, have changed in a positive manner? I definitely am not attracted to the misogynistic kind of, emotionally unavailable guy anymore. So I think that I definitely had some healing within that. Um, I think I think what happens is there's a deep patterning that goes on when you're when you are abused as a child, you know, you take it on as if it's your fault. So then you tend to attract or look for something that's going to validate that belief that you have about yourself. So there's so much shame that goes on um, in in that, you know, you think you have this like narcissistic superhero complex as a child that thinks that you're can you're responsible for everything or you can control everything that's going on in your life so then you take on the the blame and the responsibility for the thing that happened thinking that if you were just different then then that wouldn't have happened to you like if you were better or if you were a good girl or whatever this horrible thing that happened wouldn't happen to me and so i think you know it it took a lot of of repeating patterns for me to kind of go, wait, this isn't me. This isn't who I am. This was my circumstances. And and I have to actually change how I see myself so that I'm not going out into the world with that leading with that identity or that identification. Yeah. Well, it's it's a process. And thank you so much. Again, I, I know this is not easy to talk about. Um, and I appreciate you sharing because I know that, you know, for our viewers, uh, there will be more than one uh, who uh, who certainly will echo with that and maybe that will help them in their life. So I appreciate that. Um, you know, one of the things that I've never mentioned publicly, so, you know, here's here's my uh, uh, part of the experience. And I was touched by the fact that it happened to you as a child. When I was a child, I was in the hospital. Um, you know, I was sick as a kid and I had, you know, asthma and uh, a lot of other issues. And when I was in a hospital, I was uh, molested by a teenage boy. Um, I don't remember exactly how old I was. I, I, I must have been, you know, six, five, somewhere in there. And the boy was, uh, was older. I think he was, you know, 16 or so. And that, you know, stuck with me. And as, as I was growing up, you know, all of that, there is pattern, as, as you mentioned, there is patterning and there is, um, there are psychological elements that you don't really recognize as, as a adolescent. 
Um, but it took me onto a path where for a period of time, I thought maybe I was gay because that was kind of that, uh, that emotion and that trauma there, which didn't hit me. I'm not gay. I'm, I'm straight. I'm married. Uh, but it took me a while to kind of go through that and understand it, that that was not okay. That was not just something that just happened and uh, brush it off. It takes time. And yeah. It's 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 a real real process and um, so sorry that happened to you. I'm so sorry. Um, um, I feel like you know what what we do, we tend to do as children we compartmentalize. There's this like horrible thing that happens to us and we and then we kind of put it away so that we can kind of get on with our life because we can't actually deal with the heaviness of emotion of what happened. But this yeah. part that we kind of locked away from ourselves actually needs recognition, acknowledgement, love, integration. And I mm. think um, that's what my movie is about. It took me 10 years to get there and a, a, a ton of therapy and lots of different like, you know, processes to kind of really integrate, understand and integrate um, that thing. I, I put it into an 89 minute movie, but it was something that actually took me, you know, 10 years to get to. And so to answer your original question, do I feel healed? I really do. Like I always felt that there was like something missing and I always felt that that thing that was missing was outside of me, but it was really just me coming into acceptance and love of this place that I had pushed away and not wanted to deal with. And the minute that I just like forgave myself because of like this misbelief that it was my fault that it happened and loved that part of myself that I thought was just too ugly and shameful to even look at and love, was I able to kind of step into that wholeness and then just be like, yeah, I'm good. Like I'm, I'm good. So um, to answer your question, yes, I do feel whole and healed. It's not that I don't still have shit that comes up every once in a while. I think we all do. It's just constantly like peeling away. But I feel like definitely having a creative outlet to express that. It's it's the human condition. So it's like, you know, everybody's story is different. But I think that, you know, my suffering is, you know, not the same as but relatable to every human being. So it certainly is. And I think the more more we talk about it and the more we allow ourselves to be vulnerable with others, the more connection we are making uh, and a real true connection with other human beings. Um, one thing that I, I recognized, um, you know, my wife and I lost uh, our second pregnancy, uh, you know, between our first and uh, second child. And when you're kind of living in your own, you know, happy bubble, everything is fine. And then my wife was mentioning that she would talk to people and, you know, many women around her have had similar experiences and they've lost pregnancies and you wouldn't know about any of these things. So a way for my wife and I to heal was to also be able to share in experiences of others and that type of genuine connection. And that's one of the positive things uh, in social media, as opposed to <laughs> a lot of the negative things in social media is the ability to, uh, to have a communal experience and to share and to really help each other out. So thank you for sharing that. I, I'm, I'm really happy that it, uh, it helped you. And when it comes to forgiveness, when you were talking about that, I think, again, the first and the most important forgiveness is forgiving yourself. Uh, and once, once you let that go, everything else can, uh, can find its path forward. And I actually had a lot of pushback on that concept um, in the making of the movie from several people. You know, I, I don't think that that's everybody's like last piece. It just happened to be mine. You know, I felt, I felt like, once I was able to really understand the conditioning of my abuser that created the circumstances of the abuse, I was able to realize that it actually had nothing to do with me. 
and there was some there was some freedom in that for me and i'm not i'm not necessarily saying like every single person who has had this happen to them has to forgive because maybe that's not their path and maybe that's not where they're at in their journey but that was the last piece for me so there was a lot of earlier drafts that i adapted so that it didn't feel like i was kind of like on my soapbox like you know you have to do this in order to heal because i think that there are many different paths to healing this was just my path and this is how i finally was able to close that chapter so i i agree it's everybody everybody's different uh, and you know you've mentioned a couple of the uh, the key words and you know that's and that's where i went like this because you talked about shadow and you talked about <clears throat> spirituality and spiritual psychology and uh you know digging deep and trying to figure out uh things that are happening to you, it, it goes even deeper. And again, whether people believe in this or not is entirely up to them. But, you know, we don't know if this was a past life uh, thing that needed to uh, that needed to come through. And this was your way of resolving that uh, past life uh, trauma. There are many, many things that go into this. So many different things. I mean, who knows? Maybe this happened to me just so I would tell this story. Do you know what I mean? Who knows? I don't even know. I'm a tool for art and creativity and thank god i have my voice in that way thank god i found it i didn't feel like i i really had that voice as an as an actress so um and that was the biggest frustration with the business is that i kept on going out for victim roles and so i kind of had to go wait is this like you know art reflecting life is the reason why i keep on going out for victim roles is because I'm identifying as a victim to this. And so I was like, fuck, get to work. Oops, I don't know if I'm supposed to say this. So I was like, hey, you know what, get to work. Get to work not only like stop seeing from that lens of victimhood, but also get to work in telling the stories that I wanted to tell. I mean, early on, there was a web series that my ex-husband had written for me for us to kind of do together. It was like my first kind of like attempt at writing. And um, we were shopping it around for a while and the agent um, that was shopping, it was like, is this what you want? You know, you put together like a, a, a writer statement about why you want to put this out in the world, but it wasn't what I wanted to put out in the world. It was kind of very like kitsch, kind of like, you know, adults misbehaving in their forties and Brentwood kind of thing. And I was like, this is not what I want to say. I'm like, okay, well say it. You have a pen, put it to the paper, say it. Uh, it's, it's, it sounds cliche and it sounds simple and it's extremely difficult, but being true to yourself is the most important thing to do. Otherwise, nothing that you're going to be doing will ever matter uh, and you will never be happy. I, I found that in my own experience of until you accept who you are and what you're about and certainly choose to improve uh, areas of yourself, but until you come to that place of acceptance, uh, um, nothing ever will change and it will not go in the direction that you're going to be happy with. Yeah. So I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad that you did this. Uh, but you've mentioned, I want to dig a little deeper into uh, what you said of when you were an actress and you still are an actress. You have, you have a movie. <laughs> in you still are an actress. Um, you know, if you are an actress, you always are an actress. It's yeah. uh, I reminded <laughs> what my, my friend uh, in high school, you know, he was about to go on a date and he's like, Okay, Alan, you have to, you know, I have about 15 minutes. You have to teach me how to be a gentleman. I'm like, dude, I, I can tell you a few things, but you either are or you're not. So it's, it's one of those things. So you're either actress or you're not, and you are an actress. But uh, when you mentioned that you didn't have a chance to, uh, to kind of uh, speak through that experience, uh, there was one part that certainly was, uh, you know, how you saw yourself, how society, you know, reflectively saw you because 
as spirituality and uh, self-help has uh, told us, the world outside is nothing but an expression of what you are within. So I perfectly understand that. But from the industry perspective, putting that uh, first part aside, did you feel like as a beautiful woman uh, that there were not enough uh, roles that were allowing you to kind of uh, you know be in your own voice and that were putting you in a specific box? I love that. I love that question. Yeah. So the so yes, I will always be an actor. One hundred percent. I'm a storyteller at heart. Like the empathetic campfire is just where you know, like connecting to humanity, being able to explore character through story. I love all of that. I miss it deeply. I just haven't done it in quite a while. So the year before I retired, um, I was going uh, flying back and forth to Canada. Um, my ex-husband worked a couple jobs in Canada, so I was able to get my work permit. And I was getting opportunities there that I wasn't getting in Los Angeles. In Los Angeles, I was going out for like, you know, guest stars on episodic television and um, soap operas. In Canada, I was considered a little bit more of like a bigger fish at the time. And so I got to go out for this part on Fargo, the Fargo pilot that was like so charactery. And I was like, oh, I, I, I loved it. And I like literally no makeup, scruffy. And I just, I knocked it out of the park. Literally, I was like, it was like my most favorite audition and I actually called um the showrunner um agent I mean like look can you make sure they see the tape um so yes 100% I felt like I was typecast I don't feel like very many people understood the depth behind the exterior um so I didn't really ever feel like I was being offered those those parts um I, I found it on stage I definitely found, you know, I got I got to do um, the adapted Rex Pickett's book um, that they had made into a, a movie sideways into a play. And I got to play um, Virginia Madsen's character on stage. And I felt that that was the most fulfilling time for me as an actor is being on stage. I, there's something about having the audience. It's just like it closes that artistic cir circuit. I think that what I realized with the acting business and television, I, I felt it less when I did films, but in television, for sure. I just felt like a cog in somebody else's wheel. You know, I felt like, you know, I would, you know, do 10 auditions, book one, we'd go shoot it, they'd edit it, it amount to like 10 seconds of screen time, five of which I could use, and I'm putting it on a reel, and I'm like, this is who I am as an artist? It's not, you know what I mean? It's not represented of me as an artist. And I also felt like there was no closing of that artistic circuit in the sense that, like you do your work and people see your work and then you get feedback from your work on television. I didn't feel like I got any of that. Whereas on the stage, you're getting that feedback every night. So you're constantly growing and evolving your craft because you're like every night you're up there on stage and you're doing you're doing your thing and you're connecting with the the other players. And there's also a connection with the audience and you kind of actually know how it's hit, how, how it's landed, how you've connected with the people who are receiving it. And I think that's really important Important as an artist. And I found when I was writing, I had a tangible, you know, uh, thing from my creativity, I could hold it. And then, you know, realizing that it wasn't enough just to have, you know, a script, I needed to actually see it on the, on the screen. So, yeah. That makes sense. So is that why, uh, or one of the reasons why you quote unquote retired uh, before? Um, like I've done a couple of friends projects so it's not like I would say no to a job the business wore me down it was just at a really difficult time of my life I was um you know having a little bit of difficulty in my marriage so I was like focusing on family and um just got worn down by the business yeah so yeah 
I understand that. So um, do you feel more invigorated right now uh, with uh, with the project that uh, that you wrote and that uh, you produced? Uh, uh, is this a entry way back into the uh, business? Definitely an entry way back into the business. Um, I, it, there was a talks for a while of me playing Camille in the movie, and I was like, that's just too many hats for me to wear. Producer, <laughs> actor, writer, I was like, not um, not interested in that. Um, I yeah, I loved I loved being on that side of the camera. Like I I I feel like I might even try directing my next project. Um, I have a Burning Man comedy. I think um, it, it has a lot of like commercial potential. Um, I have a couple of ideas for short films that I want to. I know <laughs> uh, I, that I want to kind of you know, try my hand at directing. I love being on that side. I, I know I, I write like an editor, and I know mm -hmm. how to communicate to actors to get what I want, and I know what I want it to look like. So yeah, no, I love that side of the camera. It's fun. Editing is amazing. Like yeah, no, it's it's really fun. I like it. Okay. Um, do you see? I know. I again. I know. As an actress, you have another, uh, you know, project that we uh, that we mentioned that we'll, you know, put a link on uh, right below. That's in uh, post prod. But do you see yourself uh, getting back in front of the camera if you find the right project that allows you to uh, to be in a role that you like? Yeah, one hundred percent. Just like doing a favor for a friend, and you know, the grind, the grind. Uh, yeah. Rivers, the upstream story. That's, that's yeah, the one. So that, so my, that's my director's other film. Um, and he just called called in favor. He's like, can you can you be in this? And I was like, of course. Um, and that was that was a lot of fun. I yeah, I definitely love I love telling stories. I love the craft of acting. I would rather like I think I would rather probably like do a play before I actually jump right back into the 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 movie business or film business as an actor. But again, if somebody asked me to do something, I would definitely be on board with that. See what would be again. This is the this is the the um, the global thinking part of me as a human experience uh, aspect of it. But it would be interesting that now that you've gone through the process of healing, to see if now you're going to be called in for roles that are no longer playing the victim. I know. Uh, really it would be interesting for you know for for me to see. So please, I'll kind of. I'll, I'll, I'll track uh, things as they go forward, and uh, I hope that that's uh, what happens. But either way, you're going to be writing your own story. So if at any point you decide to step in front of the camera, it could be on one of your projects as well. I think like with it, like the Burning Man one, I would love to do like a cameo because it's like, you know, so funny. So like just kind of more like that, just to kind of play, just have more fun with it, you know? So, yeah. Um, for those actors who are, you know, coming up in the business or in the business, uh, that may be facing the same issues that you have been facing when you got uh, burnt out, what would be an advice that you would uh, share for them to perhaps help them in their journeys? That's a really good question. I think it's important, um, you know, to have a really good, like, I want to call it a spiritual practice, but I think it's more like self-care. So for me, it's meditation, it's yoga, it's time in nature, you know, just really connecting with self and what is important to them and their purpose and seeking out that purpose in everything that they do and in every project that they meet. You know, I think I had this really great teacher, Diana Castle um, from the Imagine Life. She was amazing because, you know, she really helped me understand character and story and that, you know, seeing through the eyes of somebody who, you know, it, in the language is saying, uh, have to go to party versus a want to go to party. That's a different life 
perspective, you know, and really getting to dive into living through that filter, that lens of a character. So then, you know, I think when that happens, you tend to like maybe get the victim role and really dive into the world of that person and you're not really in judgment of it. You know, I think there was probably a lot of judgment of the parts that I was getting. Oh, she's a victim. She's a victim. I'm a victim. I'm a victim kind of thing. Whereas like, you know, the fun of acting is that you get to really live through the eyes of another human being and just really, you know, maybe, you know, the stories or the opportunities that you're getting or, you know, the stories that you're telling are not necessarily exactly what you would want to be saying, but finding the humanity in the, in the parts that you are being offered. And meanwhile, exploring, you know, uh, other act, uh, uh, other opportunities as a right, you know, your creativity, you know, in mm -hmm. other mediums, find that like cre that need um, for creative expression through other mediums that are actually a little bit more in line with, with, with exactly what you want to put out. It's okay. Bless you. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I it's, there is, there is so much truth in what you just said. And I think it takes a while for the actors to realize that just because you have certain experiences that you can use in order to understand your character and to pull on from your character um, does not mean that those are the best experiences for you as an artist. Uh, it is much more rewarding and much more interesting and much and offering much more growth to you as an individual, as an artist, as a human being to play characters that are different from you, the ones that you haven't had the same experiences of, because then you can expand your prism and you can look at the world through really a different perspective rather than just um, in a bad way regurgitating uh, kind of your own uh, your own path and yep. it takes a while for actors to understand that because they grab onto something that's familiar and they can't move forward and i i love that you uh, you phrased it thank you so much I mean, I worked on Streetcar for a really long time. I worked on Blanche. And I remember my my mentor, Diana Castle, was saying, you know, the Stella role. It's like, how can I play an abused woman? I was I was Blanche, so but how can you play abused woman? It's like, well, if you if you have judgment of the character you're playing, you're never gonna be able to see from, you know, from from the perspective of that. So trying on somebody else's humanity, it only expands your own being. It only expands your own empathy. And so it's like it's it's such a beautiful gift to have to be able to go out into the world and come into acceptance of many different types of personalities because you understand you understand that their self-expression is coming from a set of circumstances that you've never lived before and then you get really curious about another person and like well what are those set of circumstances that has this individual's self-expression be like this like quirk the, the quirks the nuances you know even their their physical you know being like the way they walk you know their tics it's like it's like it, you get really curious about people through empathy when you're an actor and i miss that but i get to do it with writing so but it's just it's like being able to kind of emulate that is really fun yeah and the key uh to being able to not be of judgment of others in life and in acting is to first master self-love because once you are able to love yourself that means that you accept yourself that means you understand that you are not perfect and you have many things that uh, are are different parts of you then you're able to appreciate understand and be more curious and accepting of others and that way you're never going to be in judgment well never is is a big word <laughs> you, you will 
less frequently be of judgment um, uh, of others because you will understand what everybody has to go through. And um, that's once I learned that part, it made everything else much easier for me. Good, that's awesome. It's nice that you had that journey of discovery and acceptance. Yeah. Are you you pursuing acting in in Chicago? Are you doing are you doing anything right now? It's it's interesting. So, um, you know, I wanted to be an actor as I was uh, as I was uh, a kid uh, and acting was my my dream, my ambition. I was acting in plays. I this was in Ukraine when I was uh, when I was there. And I was 100% certain that acting is what I was going to do with my life. And then I immigrated uh, at the age of 14 with my parents. Uh, They said, listen, you know, we came here for you to have a better life and for you to have a chance at a a existence that doesn't have uh, all of the problems that we came away from. So Mm -hmm. we don't want you to have a life of an actor because a life of an actor is most of the time rejection, uh, most of the time uncertainty, and we want you to have about that <laughs> we'll cut that out um that's that's my past calling me no um <laughs> so they they wanted me to have more stability so uh that part of myself i locked away uh unsuccessfully so because i had to get a career and i had to get education and i had to restructure and decide what it is that i wanted to do with the rest of my life i wanted to be a professional tennis player and that didn't work out because you have to actually spend all of your time on being a professional tennis player no matter what talent i had so it took me a long time and i kept on feeling inadequate and i kept on feeling that i wasn't whole because i wasn't pursuing what it is that i always wanted to do so throughout my uh throughout the rest of my life i kept on taking classes and then i would go and grab and i did a project and i would do something else and until about three years ago i didn't really allow myself to uh, to pursue acting and then for three years, I was all in it. But being in a secondary market of Chicago, you have certain level of opportunities uh, and it takes time to build everything. And I'm not in LA and New York. Uh, also, I'm a 45 uh, year old uh, you know, married man with, uh, with two children and responsibilities uh, and a job. So there are all of these things that kind of uh, come in and then you have to decide what is it that you wanna do with your life and what are your priorities. And through the show, because it's been a process of self-discovery for me in speaking to actors and speaking to um, uh, to producers and directors and uh, people in the industry who are doing what it is that I love and that I'm good at. I have some talent uh, in acting, but it allowed me to come to a place where acting for me in this particular lifetime, uh, I don't know if it's going to be a full-time endeavor. Uh, it'll always be a part of me to whatever uh extension it's going to be and if an opportunity comes along and i you know i get a regular spot on a on a, on a tv show i'm very happy to change my mind but yeah. i don't know if that's going to be a part and i finally kind of took that burden off right and i'm just allowing things to happen and if it does it does if not i have other endeavors that are like the show that are creative and allow me to still be breathing that same air that uh um you know give me more stability if you will it's 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 feeding that that place in you that was like no no no, i want to do that thing and i love that because i think as long as you trust yourself and you answer that calling it will guide you to exactly where you're supposed to be with that because you know kids kids grow up kids move out 
time frees up. You know, it's like, it's like, it's never, it's never ever too late. So there you go. No, and again, having these difficult conversations with my wife, uh, you know, talking about marriage uh, at the moment, right? I've, I've been married for uh, almost 21 years, and my wife has been through all these roller coasters of, you know, my businesses and my acting and my other endeavors. And, you know, I'm the creative uh, person that, that needs to have things that I'm working on. Otherwise, I don't feel like I'm alive, which is a blessing and a huge curse. So having these conversations of my wife saying, look, I can't continue being on this roller coaster. We need to have some foundation and some stability. Mm-hmm. And she's right. So mm-hmm. you you have to either adapt or you have to uh, walk away. And I'm not going to walk away from my wife and my children. So it's, it's a process. This 2020 has been um, a very interesting, horrible, exciting year all put together i know it's been it's been very intense i feel like it, there's like a magnifying glass so like all, all of that stuff just really becomes very very magnified and it's like you know y'all have to do a little bit of emotional housekeeping you know in the sense of like the things that we haven't been dealing with the things that have been in shadow i think they've definitely been coming to the surface not only personally but also collectively and i think that right now there's something about the energy of this time that's demanding that we actually acknowledge and deal with this stuff that we've kind of been too busy to really actually attend to i mean i live in southern california there's fires everywhere you know it's like climate change is real you know we actually have to personally and um you know on a bigger level do something to kind of stop this and you know i've have an electric car i'm trying to go solar you know, I recycle, I have compost, like I'm trying to do my part, you know. Uh, it's like it, 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 certain things are coming forward right now that we actually have to acknowledge and evolve. Me too, Black Lives Matter, climate change, all of it right now is just coming to a head and we've got to deal with it. I think, it, I think for me on a spiritual level, I keep on saying evolve or dissolve. I feel like we're headed into a new consciousness and there's a vibration of that kind of like, unprocessed subconscious material that's like holding us back and so what's happening right now because we are shifting it's coming to the surface and people are freaking out i mean everybody that's out there on the street like hate to say but all the karens that are like flipping out right now and they like they talk about the zombie apocalypse i'm like that's that girl and it's like i think she's just like alone by herself faced with her demons she's like can't cope and she doesn't have the world to project it onto because she's stuck at home because of like safer at home orders and so she's like finally gets out of the house and it's like this vomiting of like you know darkness that like she's been having to live with it for the past three months in quarantine i mean that's very opinionated but i just ultimately i feel like we all have to come into wholeness and we all have our shit our traumas i want you know for lack of a better word it doesn't necessarily have to be sexual abuse or physical abuse or anything but there are certain things that happen to our life in our lives as children that we don't necessarily comprehend in an emotional way and they lay dormant and then something like this happens and they come to the surface and they're asking to be acknowledged and integrated and loved and so it's up to us to do that work nobody else trump's not going to do it <laughs> sorry uh, no, it's, I'm, I'm on the same i'm on the same page and to me it's interesting how again you know dealing with a lot of uh, uh things in my own life uh, and this uh, 2020, you know, dealing with health issues, dealing with uh, 
uh, marital uh, issues, dealing with uh, you know career issues, dealing with all sorts of things. Uh, plus discovering the show and discovering incredibly beautiful things. Plus you know remembering things that are still holding holding me back that I need to uh, get rid of. But that's the microcosm of it. Looking at our country, if we were looking at our country uh, from just a purely human one person perspective and looking at it from the macro side, you see of all of these same energies, all the same things that you were just talking to and Trump and the uh, the people uh, that are fear based, you know, uh, without without judgment for anything and uh, feel feel free to believe politically what you want to believe. But uh, there is fear based and there is love based. There are things that are uplifting and there are things that are uh, holding you back. The same struggle is happening on a uh, on a macro level to our country, and until we resolve it, we're mm -hmm. not going to be able to move forward. So that is what's happening with our country, and it's 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 horrifying uh, to see. But I think it's a necessary process that we have to go through in order to continue evolving and grow as a society. And I think that 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 is the key word: evolved. You know, I think that um, you know we are what i learned in my understanding from my time in india is that you know life is 100 percent suffering the buddha believed and it's an equation there's physical suffering there's psychological suffering and there's spiritual suffering and americans live pretty well we don't have a lot of physical suffering but we have a huge amount of psychological suffering and so the evolution that needs to take place is on that level right now and um i think that this is an opportunity for everybody to maybe kind of just step it up a little bit and like work on all of that stuff like by being confronted by a lot of just in that kind of same way of you know we don't see the world as we uh, as it is we see it as we are so that projection that we have on the world right now it's up to us to kind of really work on ourselves in a way that what we are projecting is love it's not fear and going back and I just want to say one more thing because judgments come up a couple of times because I think mm -hmm. it's really an important thing for humans to have discernment we need it, you know, and I think the difference between judgment and discernment is judgment is, is like that person is bad because they're doing this thing. And so it's like, you know, they're when somebody's kind of working through their karma or their process or stuff like that and their stuff comes up and we see it, it's like shaming them for them for that piece is not going to allow them to come into self-acceptance and love. And so I think it's really important that when that stuff is happening to still be meeting it with not only a place of love of other, but also helping them find love for themselves in those moments. So the judgment piece is, is more of a discernment of what's happening to help facilitate that healing through love versus like that person's just a fucking asshole kind of vibes, you know? And isn't it tough? Uh, even even for us uh, who you know, I'm sure we're going to be called you know liberal tree huggers. But uh, isn't it tough? To, I do to, not. <laughs> I don't care. Uh, right, I don't care that either, and I'm I'm fine with it. And by the way, what's wrong with hugging trees? I love hugging trees. Uh, it's it's the cool thing is is when the trees hug back. I mean, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's like the most amazing thing. Tree hugs are awesome. Agree, uh, but it's I found it to be so difficult. Uh, where there are many points in the, you know, throughout this year that I wanted to just delete most of the people uh, that I have uh, on Facebook and, and tell everybody to F off and saying, I can't believe, you know, you're thinking this way. And then I keep going back to, nope, that's not the right thing to do. That's not it. And the people, you know, the same people that you want to tell to F off are the people who are your friends, your family, your loved ones. 
and you know how wonderful they are and there are aspects of them that uh, are you know that need to evolve as you've mentioned and you can't just write them off and brush them off you have to accept them and you have to you know help them through this journey if if possible or at least not be a jerk about it as they're going through it themselves. I mean, I think that, that getting curious about that point of view is, is kind of saved me in a couple of those relationships. I have done a little bit of like, you know, housekeeping on Facebook only because mm -hmm. that, it's a self-care um, <clears throat> sort of thing. But I think that the people who I actually know on Facebook, like I really, really know them. Mm -hmm. um, it's more of like just trying to get curious and understand what 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 is that point of view? Where is that? Where is what is that about? What is that coming from? Because I feel like the more that I understand it, the more I can work with it, even in my poetry and my art and stuff like that. It's like I I think that just shutting it out, it 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 creates like the polarity that I think is what you know our administration is trying to do right now, versus like you know the inclusive kind of understanding about the life circumstances that create that perception of reality. It's like who what is this? Right. Um, that's the last thing that I wanted to talk to you about, which is poetry. I saw that on your Twitter. Uh, would you be interested and uh, open to sharing a, a piece of poetry with us? Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I definitely will. Um, I'm trying to think because I have so many different ones. What do we want to talk about? Because I have lots. I did a couple. Do you know what, what you want to what you want to hear? <laughs> uh, no, I'm I'm going to share. I'm a poet as well. This is uh, okay. You know, why don't you do yours first and then I'll, I'll listen to yours and then choose a piece based off of what you write. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm going to find one. It's long, but it deals with what we were just talking about as recent as uh, what, August 16th, so this was uh, just uh, you know, a month ago, um, that deals with what we were just talking about, and then I would love to hear one of yours if possible. And uh, my dad always tells me that uh, my poetry is way too long, as these shows tend to be as well, so I apologize to anybody who thinks that way. Um, dear people who live under red, white, and blue, please pause for a second. I'm talking to you. There's no longer months, but just days till election, and it doesn't matter who's gained your affection. What matters right now is what's happening here. And if you just look, it's abundantly clear. There's so many forces that want us divided. There's so many voices that are just one-sided. There's yelling on street and there's fighting at home. How many of us are just feeling alone? There's stresses from COVID. There aren't enough jobs. The last thing we need now is more angry mobs. The places we used to look to for support are now echo chambers and trolling for sport. Objective reporting of news is corrupted, resulting in flowing of truth interrupted. It seems like we're lost and forgot who we are. Would we recognize us when looked from afar? We rose through adversity to build a great nation, and now we are mired in this stagnation. Togetherness is what we were fighting for. And now we are closer to more civil war. Your anger and bitterness are just a gun, but who's pointing it, telling you where you should run? Our country is white, and it's black, and it's brown. There's Christians, there's Jews, there's Muslims abound. Our people are straight and they're gay and they're queer, but isn't that more of a reason to cheer? If you treat everyone that you see as a stranger, of course you will live in perpetual danger. There's no way out uh, if you're thinking that way. There wasn't before and there won't be today. Let's stop all this nonsense and just take a breath. The way we are headed will lead to more death. Is that what we want for our country of ours? Is that the best use of our limited hours? If we're questioning what is the right thing to do, talk to each other as I'm talking to you. We have more in common, so let's start with that. Let's unite as a country and then move ahead. We have lots of problems that all need resolving. Dividing won't fix them. They will by involving. 
We're brilliant together, destructive apart. You know what is right. Just look into your heart. Don't dismiss what you're hearing me say out of hand. I may not be someone you're calling a friend. It's not kumbaya from a hippie tree hugger. <laughs> it is from someone who views you as a brother. Dear people who live under red, white, and blue, please pause for a second. I'm pleading with you. Don't let others' anger devour your soul. It's only through love that you will take control. There's no longer months, but just days till election. And it doesn't matter who's gained your affection. What matters is how you perceive all the rest. My sermon is done. I wish you all the best. I love that. It's beautiful. So, um, yeah, I, sometimes you just have to write. And uh, I, I sat down and I just had to write. And they tend to be longer, but I'm okay with that. <laughs> You know what? The the length doesn't bother me because I was very engaged throughout the whole thing. It's only when they're long and you lose me because like like the the metaphors I'm not with or something like that or the yeah. So it was it was engaging. So don't worry about the length. That's great. I love it. It's really good. I love that you called it a sermon at the end because it definitely felt like something that that could be spoken. You know, like uh, what 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 do people do like when they go for poetry readings? What are they called? Like the the live something or other or like. I can't remember what it's called. Not, anyway. not too, I haven't been to those, so I wouldn't know. Um, anyway, it was great. Let me see what, what I can find really quickly because I have them all put away, really, and I'll see which one. Um, sorry, it'll take me a second. Oh, no worries. I know I spring this on you, so, uh, but. Oh, no, it's okay. That's where we went naturally, so I'm about it. Um, okay. I really like this one only because it's like I wrote it quite a while ago. It's really pretty. Okay, let me see that one or nah, I'm not gonna do that one. Um this one's on my Instagram page. I really like that one. It's like what I wrote when I was first um in lockdown. It's really more current. So I think I'm gonna do oh, I kinda like this one too though. This is pretty good. Okay. I'm listening to me talking about how great my poetry is. I'm awesome. Okay. <laughs> Let me just look at them really quickly, just so I can just see what's there. Sure. Uh, uh, I feel like this is kind of a little bit in alignment with what we've been talking about too. Let me see. Sorry, it's taking me a second. Let me look at this one. Um. I think I'm going to be more, um, let me do this one. I'll do this one. Okay. So my writing teacher, Jack Graves, he's awesome. He's actually teaching online classes. So if anybody wants to like do an amazing creative writing class, I highly recommend it. He's got all these really cool tools, um, but I've been in, in it for such a long time that now we do, um, you know, write like Bukowski or write like he'll assign certain poets and you, um, you read that poet and then you see what emerges from that. So this is, um, after reading a poet called Ellen Bass. Um, this is what came forth um, from that uh, from that one. So this is called Unknown Void. I gave myself vertigo scrolling yesterday, searching for the missing tweet, the meaningful meme to fill the emptiness, unknown void. Offline, my brain flips through the Rolodex of inconse inconsequential memories, the greasy french fries and Ziwatanehu that gave us all the shits, walking through the Beverly Hotel, hotel, feeling both important and not enough at the same time. They say when you die, your life flashes before your eyes. Mine's on slow-mo, taking its sweet time, collecting all of myself before passing through into another dimension. 
the smell of chlorine at the hotel pool during Bibby's bridge tournaments. My sister and I unattended swimming until our lips turned blue. The red velvet lining of the metal heart-shaped jewelry box snapping shut with a muffled clang. The board game at the cabin, pieces like mini wrenches linking red and black pegs. The thread of life weaves its way through a series of breaths and gathers up memories of identities. The lost and forgotten pitch tents setting up camp beneath the underpass of my neural pathways. These are the things I will leave behind. Clenched teeth, whispered screams, shushing me at two, struggling to get off of his lap. The 50-year-old surfer I met on Bumble, who said to himself out loud, this is gonna last me a while, before he ghosted me. These are the things I will miss. The soft tuft of hair on my, the edge of my newborn's ear latched onto my breast, eyes drifting closed and open again in the fight against sleep. These are the things I will take with me. The chiming leaves of the Aspen Cathedral as wind rushes through the forest and the crunch of ice crystals beneath my feet from the last spring snow. This is where I'm going, dissimilating into the cacophony of wild birds in Belize at dawn, dissolving into the intense stillness like the low flat energy of the desert in Joshua Tree, merging into the electric green strobe light flash of the last kiss of the sun being eaten by the sea. I love it. So, um, so visual, and uh, the the images are bringing emotion, and uh, it was very, very lovely. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, let's end with that because okay. I, I think this is um, this was meant to be a wide ranging conversation. I just didn't realize that you know we were meant to meet at this moment and and talk. Uh, and I'm thankful, um, you know, for the universe to uh, to bring us together at this moment. So hopefully this conversation can be of service uh, to others. And best of luck to your movie. I'm very happy that uh, that you started writing and that you've reached a point where you feel whole again. And I, I hope that continues and uh, is uh, becoming something that only you spring from. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time to have me on your podcast. I can't wait to see um, this and others as well. So thanks again. It's my pleasure. And thank you to everybody for tuning in. We appreciate it. We know you love acting and life and uh, spirituality and all of the things that we talk about as much as we do. And that's why we do this for you. Thank you.